0: Sports Acre is a charity dedicated to the conservation of all burial grounds. We work towards these sites being beautiful, welcoming and connected to their communities. We're a national charity covering England and Wales, and 2020 was our 20th anniversary. We focus on the conservation of the natural, built and social heritage, and support groups managing all types of burial grounds, ranging from rural church or chapel yards to green burial sites and urban cemeteries. This is the first of a series of episodes, which were recorded while travel restrictions were in place, so they're just one person chatting. Soon we'll be having on-site visits and enjoying discussion with others. For this first episode, we thought we'd set the scene and think about why burial grounds are so special. The list is endless, from ancient yew trees and tiny lichens to beautifully carved memorials and the stories they tell of both individuals and communities. It is the mosaic of features that makes these places so unique and we will just touch the surface on a few of these. So in England and Wales there are over 20,000 burial grounds spanning different cultures, religions and centuries. The size of each ranges from under a quarter of an acre for a small parish church or chapel to over 200 acres for a large cemetery. Added together, the area is similar to that of Exmoor National Park or the Isle of Wight. The key point is that these sites are distributed in a way that means they are accessible to a significant number of the population and each is nestled within its own distinct community. A church at a burial ground may be the most ancient enclosed piece of land in a parish, town or city. The grassland will have been relatively undisturbed, reseeding naturally for hundreds if not thousands of years. It will also have been both scythed for hay and grazed by animals during its time as a burial ground. A benefit of this management over a very long time is a rich diversity of grasses, flowers and animals. This old, unimproved grassland was once widespread in the UK but is now rare. Since the 1940s, over 97% has vanished. Most burial grounds predate the 1940s, so are now some of the few places it remains, because they have not been artificially fertilised, treated with herbicides or ploughed. Providing the site hasn't been neglected and the grass cuttings are raked up and removed regularly, this important flower-rich grassland persists, regardless of whether the grass is kept short, mown or long like a meadow, because the species are perennials. Many burial grounds act as a Noah's Ark for this flower-rich habitat and are able to donate seeds to other local sites to help regenerate them into flower-rich areas. Another feature often seen within churchyard boundaries is the ancient yew tree. Britain contains one of the world's greatest collection of ancient yews, with well over half of our total population being found within churchyards. Around 800 ewes with an age of above 600 years have been recorded in churchyards across England and Wales. Yew trees are naturally very slow-growing, long-lived trees. Indeed, they are the oldest trees in Britain. The terms ancient and veteran refer to a tree which, because of its significant age, size and condition, is of exceptional biodiversity or cultural value. As far back as the 17th century, observers were intrigued by the great girth of yew trees and began to record and measure them. Accurately estimating the age of old yew trees is often not possible because the trunks become hollow, fragmented or multiple trunks merge so the annual rings cannot be counted. Instead, experts estimate age using a variety of ways including investigating old maps, looking up tree records measuring tree growth and looking at the growth form. Several yew trees are believed to be over 2,000 years old and there is no known limit to how old they could live. So why have churchyards become the main sanctuary for ancient yews in the UK? There are many different theories and one is all about winning friends and influencing people. When Augustine came to bring Christianity to Britain in 597 AD, He was given the task of bringing the pagan faith to an end in a sympathetic and sensitive way. In 601, Pope Gregory suggested that places of pagan worship could simply be converted into Christian churches. So they headed where pagans were already gathering, near yew trees, and rather than replacing the yew with a church, they simply built a church next to it. The pagans had long revered the yew tree as symbolic of death and rebirth, and used their branches and foliage for ceremonial occasions. This symbology was incorporated into Christian traditions. It meant that existing yews were protected and, as Christianity ran parallel to paganism in the early stages, yews were planted in churchyards as Christianity spread. On a more practical level, in 1307, Edward I decreed that groups of yew trees should be planted in all churchyards to protect the fabric of the church from high winds and gales. And when Henry IV ordered his royal boa to cut down yew or any other wood for the public service, he exempted the estates of the religious orders, so yews in churchyards avoided this spate of falling. As well as being sanctuaries for use, burial grounds often have a mixture of tree types, which is really valuable to birds that raise several broods in a breeding season. These birds have to start early, so may use a conifer as a nesting site for the first nest when deciduous trees are leafless, and then switch to the deciduous trees later in the season. There is a wealth of nesting, feeding and roosting opportunities. Think of the external building walls with buttresses, gargoyles, ledges, porches, towers, spires, along with moss and ivy covered memorials. The list goes on. Birds such as blackbirds, song thrushes and wrens use the burial site all year round, nesting in trees and hedges. Other birds such as swifts are here for only about three months, and those sites with suitable nesting places are really important for this beautiful bird which is in decline. Over the past 15 years, numbers have dropped by about 40%. Later in the series, we'll be chatting to experts About how we can help by ensuring that building renovation work doesn't remove swift nesting places and how we can increase nesting opportunities. Churches and sensitively managed burial grounds also provide important roosting sites for bats. Often they've been a safe haven from habitat loss over many generations. Bats need nursery roosts for the young, winter roosts to hibernate and also temporary roosts to digest their food and to sleep in during the day. Old churches are attracted to bats because they have many nooks and crannies to roost in and multiple entry and exit points. Country churchyards and urban cemeteries are among the best places to find a variety of fungi, particularly grassland ones. This is because, like the wildflowers we mentioned earlier, these fungi thrive in old undisturbed grassland which has not been ploughed, reseeded or treated with chemicals. Wax caps, fairy cubs, and coral fungi are among the colourful and interesting fungi that can flourish. Before the the development of the microscope in the 18th century, fungi were a puzzle, appearing overnight and sometimes taken to be the work of dark powers. This visible part is now known to be the fruit filled with tiny spores, with the rest of the fungus below ground. Next time you're wandering through your local churchyard or cemetery, Take a look at the old stonework and you'll see a mosaic of colourful lichens. Lichens have been valued by humans for centuries. In ancient Rome's they were used to make purple dye for togas and in the outer Hebrides lichens are still used to dye wool today. As natural outcrops of rock and stone have decreased over the years burial grounds have become of supreme importance for lichens conservation. Of the 1,800 British species Over a third have been found in burial grounds, and many sites have well over 100 species on the stonework, on trees, and in the grassland. Almost half of these are rare, and seldom, if ever, occur in other places. These sites support many species of lichen for a variety of reasons. The different rocks and building materials can have distinctive lichen communities. Limestone, sandstone, marble, mortar, etc. Also, the stonework varies from rough to smooth, shaded to exposed, damp to dry, horizontal to vertical. And all these different environmental conditions favour the different species. The lichens on the shaded north side of the wall are different from those on the sunny south side. Some species grow very slowly, sometimes less than half a millimetre per year, so an individual lichen may be almost as old as the stone it's growing on. Talking of stones, how about the memorials? Memorials became popular in the 18th and 19th century, so most people buried in these spaces do not have a memorial. Archaeologists estimate that the average thousand-year-old churchyard has an estimated 10,000 bodies within its boundaries. The geology of memorials reflects where the stone came from. In the early days, only local stone was used, but once train transport began, the variety of stone types that people could use increased. With changes in the stone type came increased options for both structural and carving design, a development which can be seen in the burial ground today. Memorials reflect the stories of the local people, including mortality, migration and immigration, and they also reflect the styles and fashions of the day. In some churchyards, large churchyard crosses can still be found on the south side of the church. It is thought that they served a variety of functions such as defining a sacred space for burials and being part of the church rituals, including outdoor services and processions. They were occasionally used as a focal point for preaching. Whilst there are a few crosses believed to date from before the Norman Conquest, most were erected after this, but before the reformation of the church by Henry VIII. Because churchyards didn't contain monuments to individual graves until later on, the stone crosses would have been highly visible, important structures. However, during the Reformation, a great many crosses were destroyed or damaged as part of the widespread removal of iconography, which swept through the country. The actual cross was often removed, maybe leaving the shaft or just the base in situ. Shafts were sometimes reused by putting a sundial on top, and in later centuries, new crosses were carved to replace those lost. Some crosses may have a mixture of stone masonry from across the centuries. The folklore surrounding plants growing in burial grounds is fascinating. Many common names have religious associations. Snowdrops were known as Candlemas bells, February fair maids, or Our Lady's tapers. Primroses are often found in burial grounds as they were the choice of memorial plant. For children's graves in Victorian times. The name Primrose derives from the Latin prima rosa, meaning first rose of the year, despite it not being a member of the rose family. In different countries, it's also referred to as butter rose, early rose, Easter rose, golden rose, and Lent rose. Other old names include Keys of Heaven for cowslips, God's Eyes for Jamanda Speedwell, Easter Bell for greater stitch work and ladder to heaven for solomon's seal in days gone by churchyards were places for community activity rather like the community hall today there were fairs and markets miracle plays and sacred dramas they were places for playing games and for taking oaths and settling disputes they were places where compulsory archery ch- practice took place and in some sites you can still find deep grooves scratched in the stonework where the local men sharpened their arrow points. Beer festivals were held, the church ales, where feasts of eating, drinking and merrymaking took place in the churchyard, organised by the church wardens to raise funds. Games such as quoits, nineplins and wrestling took place and the church walls were used to play the game of fives. Even cockfighting occurred in the shadow of the church or chapel. To the north side of the churchyard, behind the church, was a place where these gatherings took place, leaving the southern part as the place for burial. In those days, people who were seen as less worthy were buried on the north side. Some of the clergy were not too clean on the boisterous sports which encouraged gambling, but King James I had decreed in 1619 that traditional churchyard games were to be encouraged, so the merrymaking continued. see the variety of built natural and social heritage found within the boundaries of burial grounds is both vast and unique. It exists due to the work and care that generations have put into looking after them. We're looking forward to having you along as we head out to speak to those who care for them, enjoy them and study them.